Welcome to the Leadership Legacy Podcast, where we interview influential leaders, learn their why, and how they turn their passions into progress that set them on the path to lead their lives. Welcome into the Leadership Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Tony Orvet. Episode 1, February 24th, 2018. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think you're going to love this interview with Bahia Ackerley of On the Purple Couch. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, so I'm here in the lovely Bahia's house in the D.C. area. Um, Bahia and I worked together for about six years. She runs OnThePurpleCouch.com and does a billion other things. She's the master of all trades. And uh, so we're just going to ask her some questions and see how this goes. Welcome, Tony. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much. We've had some some awesome cheese and pepper jelly and crackers. Those are awesome. I'm ready for the for the food that's that's starting to cook. I'm excited. That's right. That's right. Um, so, Bahia, how did you get this job? Tell me about it. How what what made you want to go out on your own and and how did you how did you get to where you're at? Okay, that's a very nice question. I have always wanted to be a business person. Um, I come from a family of mostly of policy types, but there have been a few business type of people in the family. And um, my dad's sister, my auntie Susan, she started a child care, uh, child care agency. Not no, a, a child, a daycare. Okay. She started a daycare in her home in the eighties, and I had come to visit her. We were living in West Africa in the Ivory Coast, and she lived in Canada. And I had come to visit her for the summer and spend the summer with her. In the 80s, home daycare, she started her daycare in the basement. And I never forgot her starting that whole process. I was there that summer. I mean, literally in the basement. She went on to be extremely su- su- successful mm-hmm. to big centers and whatnot. But I think at that time, I was probably in the 80s. Uh, 83 or so, I might have been six, seven, let's say seven, eight. That image always stuck in my mind of her having that independence. Of course, at that age, I didn't know what owning a business was, but I was like, that was pretty cool. Um, So that's sort of where, that's like an image that kind of stuck with me. My dad was a businessman as well, which meant um, we had a lot of money sometimes and we didn't have a lot of money sometimes. (laughs) He was a big businessman. so that, that's sort of uh, how I got to, to desire to be a business person. After I got married in um, 2009, um, I had my son, our son, very quickly. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to have a business. I don't I want to be able to, I don't want to be like my mom, this high-powered business, you know, this uh, UN official. I want to be home with my kids. And well, let me start a business and I can take Eddie to work with me. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I wanted to do. So I started on the Purple Couch in D.C., um, right in Silver Spring on the D.C. line, uh, 2011. And uh, we've been going on ever since. So, so tell us a little bit about what On the Purple Couch does. Yeah, we have had uh, several iterations. But at the core of it has been able, On the Purple Couch, has been about supporting people in their home and their home decor. Um, my background is policy, so I always have some type of social justice side of me 
Um, I always want to help people. Um, but essentially, it is about helping people with their home. Um, I started out as a consignment store and slash home decor. And uh, we did consignment and then we sold paint. Um, we were uh, one of the area's first Annie Sloan stockists and we sold the decorative paint and continued to do that up until October. As the business morphed, we went into um, straight home decor. I took out all the consignment clothes, straight home decor, color consultation, design, um, furniture painting, workshops, and now we're doing a lot of TV lifestyle segments and showcasing, um, showing the DMV community what you can do with a lot or a little bit, all in the whole DIY so you talked about coming from West Africa. What's that? We hear people, we hear a lot of great immigrant stories of people that have come over to the United States and really, you know, they have that hard work ethic that a lot of people in the U.S. maybe don't have and didn't, weren't kind of, uh, didn't grow up with. And me and you both love Gary Vee, and he talks about the immigrant story. How has that kind of helped shape your your business life and, the, and just the way you approach things? Mm -hmm. um, one, it's a very good question, and especially now is a good time to reflect on that. Um, so I was, I'm actually the children of immigrants. Um, I was born in Boston. Okay. Um, my parents came over to college in grad school. So after my parents got married, my heart, my, uh, my dad um, was uh, in school in Boston. Both my parents, they were doing their graduate degree and I was born. Um, my father, um, a, a Nigerian, West African, mother Liberian. My father, if you know anything about Nigerians, they are fierce, fierce. He was like, I'm here, I'm loving this place and I'm not leaving. My mother was like, <coughs> America is a little bit too fast-paced for me. I'm going to finish my education, and I'm getting out of here. My parents' marriage subsequently uh, didn't work really well. Um, but my father became an American citizen. Uh, he worked at the bank. He did Harvard Business School, Cornell, my mom, Brandeis. I mean, they did the best. They had the drive. They were immigrants, mm -hmm. right? They had the drive. You know, they came. They didn't come to play. Uh, they came to work hard um, with with all the barriers one would say um, this country presented at a particular time and maybe to some still there is so much opportunity so much opportunity and so much uh, so much opportunity and so um, my parents left uh, in 76 they left um, went back to West Africa and then we came back subsequently. But I think that um, uh, I, love, I love my life. I love the fact that I am bi and tri-cultural. I go back home, you know, in quotes, uh, to the continent, back and forth. I just took my son, um, his first time. We didn't go to West Africa, but it was his first time uh, on the continent. That was important for us. But I think that immigrant drive, I mean, it's the American drive. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the immigrant drive is America. Which is, you can be anything, uh, and I'm not stupid, I'm not, uh, you know, not aware of the barriers that exist for people. But, you know, for all practical purposes, you can, you can be anything. You can work very hard, um, 
and uh, you can become you, you can become a lot again I say that statement there are lots of barriers there are but there's also lots of opportunity absolutely yeah that's the one thing I love about this country is that there's opportunity for everyone yes and, and thankfully you know there's a, there are a lot of people that are taking advantage of that mm -hmm. and, and being very successful and it's what allows us to sit across from the table and yeah. talk about our businesses and yeah. we have the freedoms to do what we want oh yes not everybody, not everybody has that. Um, so we talked about what what kind of drives you and 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 where that drive has come from. What what principles have helped you personally and in the business world? Yes, uh, great question. Uh, my parents, in as much as they are divorced and have been for like forty something, like so many years relationships were always very important to them. Godparents were very important to them. My godparents are so active in my life. Aunts and uncles, you know, fictitious kin, as it's called in sociology. People who you hook up with as friends, you're like, this is my boy, this is my girl. We're going to be together for life. We may not have blood ties, but there's that connection. Relationships were very important for my family. And so those are the things that, um, uh, one of the principles that guide me. I carry that in my business. Um, my faith, um, I'm a Christian. Um, that's an important aspect of me. Um, that has been very important, especially um, when things didn't go very well, uh, which they have not at times. Um, I'm, I'm able to hold on to the promises uh, that were made uh, for me. And so that has helped me uh, to keep focused. And then, you know, thirdly, but not in that order, but my family, my husband and uh, my son are very important in my larger community. Those are important principles. And those showed up in my shop, you know, and show up in my shop. They show up in my life relationships. You know, my customers, I call them the OTPC family, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not just in the shop. We have fans that are around the world. Um, they mean well. They, they want to support us. And uh, they're part of that network, you know. Um, my faith, important. I support lots of uh, faith-based uh, type of uh, organizations and entities. And um, thankfully for me, I've lived in different parts of the world, so I like all different types of faiths. I mean, mm -hmm. I can get down with the best of them. Exactly. Um, so that's good. And then my family, anybody knows, you come into the shop, you'll see Eddie running up and down um, or running outside or doing their part of my life. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. it's important to have your family involved. That's one thing that I've learned with going into business for myself is mm -hmm. you know, you've got to involve your family because they're the ones that are those are the ones that are either suffer or yes. or that benefit from from your hard work. Yes. And if you involve them, they they see that hard work and they you can instill in your kids yeah. that hard work ethic yeah. that is instilled in you. Yeah. Especially you, you have girls. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yes, boys are hard work, but especially for girls. They have to be able to see that, you know. I have I had an experience in the shop, and I, I talk about it. And I had many experiences when children came in with their parents to buy paint. You know, they look at me, and they were like, they look around. And I had this one little girl. Um, I've had three shops, so one of my shops had was a warehouse and lots of colors, and it was bright. And she walked in, and she could have been six, seven, and she was like. Are you the boss of all of this? I mean, I will never forget that mm -hmm. little girl's face because 
it was so important, like whatever her life chances were, whatever opportunities her parents would afford her, she saw a business woman. Mm -hmm. She saw a business that had colors that attracted her, that did something to her. You know, she'll never forget, like I never forgot my aunt, you know, mm -hmm. exactly. with her small daycare at yeah. the time, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So kind of transition into entrepreneurship um, and, and doing this thing that we, that we love so much. There's always a level of customer service that's involved in, in pretty much anything, whether you're running a services company or a brick and mortar store or even if you have a product that you're selling where you're not, you don't necessarily interface with the customer, maybe you're selling it online, you still have, selling, selling online, not interfacing with the customer physically, there's still gonna be that aspect of customer service. What to you are the most important skills for kind of managing those people and managing their expectations and taking care of the customer? The first thing, every customer has to be acknowledged. How many of us haven't gone into stores and people wouldn't give a blip about whether we're in there or not in there, stealing or not stealing, you know, rumpling? They, they don't care. The first thing is, especially as a small business owner, I would tell my staff, this is your home. And when people walk in here, you're having a cocktail party. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas dinner. Auntie so-and-so is coming and you haven't seen her. This is the day to act right. You know, so when people walk in the door or they're on the phone, you have to acknowledge them and speak to them. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate you coming in. What are you guys doing this, you know, this weekend? You know, how's it out there on the roads? Or, you know, what's going on and where you guys are? Is, is it snowing out there? People need to be acknowledged. And that's the, that, that I would say, it's one of the first things with customer service. Um, I, I don't always believe the customer is right. I'm too small to do that. Yeah. I, I, I don't make that much money to be able to eat every, you know, faux pas that's either mine or yours. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what I always say is that my customer will always be respected. Um, sometimes I have let ego get into that where I could have let an issue go, mm -hmm. but I felt like somebody was taking advantage of me um, in a return, especially because... You know, when it comes to retail, you know, people are used to, I've had it for 10 years, you can take it back. Well, I can't take it back. I'm too small. I can't absorb it. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, those are maybe the two things I would think are important. Yeah, definitely. That's, and that's, that's hard, especially in the services industry, when someone, is, someone has hired you for your expert yeah. opinion and your, and your, your skills and, and then... There's always going to be this aspect of revisions and, hey, we need to tweak this or mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. But then it gets to the point where the customer is just not happy and it's like, I'm out of here. Right. Um, so you have to be able to, you know, yeah, they probably weren't right. And sometimes you just got to be humble and just say, you know, I appreciate your opinion and I know that you're, um, I know that you're upset. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's, you know, part ways as best we can sometimes. But yeah. yeah, I agree. Sometimes the customer's not right. Yeah. Um, and, and, that's also, not, and that's not their fault. Right. And, and also, sometimes it's not your customer. You see? Some customers are not yours. I was telling my husband, Eddie, that today. I'm like, that's not your customer. And you can't fight for that person. Mm -hmm. Because you're not for them and they're not for you. And you have to know who is who. Mm -hmm. You know? 
if if mine is a dollar and that's too much for you and that's all right that that's not for you when you're ready I'm here yeah you know call me yeah. you know I'll, I'll be right here but this is not for you and and you, we're not for each other it's like a bad relationship you know if you can see it before it happens yeah absolutely I mean I think that ha- that happens a lot and, you know being able to being able to see that and get ahead of that and, and treat that customer with respect yes. and say hey look yes you know what this is this is our this is our bottom price. We can't go any lower. Yeah. But you know what? We know someone else. Yes. You know someone else has that down down the street for fifty cents. Yeah. Um, or whatever that may be. Yeah. I think it's you know, it's going back to that relationship yeah. that you talked about. It's just connecting people who, who need to be connected in the right way. And yeah. That's our responsibility as as business owners to, yeah. you know, push them on down, um, yeah. on down the road. Yeah. Um. What's the best business book? Best business book you've read lately? Hmm. Oh gosh, I have Gary Vee's new book, but I haven't read it. Um, a business book that keeps. So I do a lot of magazines. I'm still into magazines. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's okay. not. Into, I do magazines and my phone at the same time. So um, I love. Oh, I wanted to show you this magazine. Um, I love Entrepreneur Magazine, mm-hmm. of course. Um, I still do the Harvard Business Review, not so religiously, but I do that. Um, I love this very old book from the 70s, um, The E-Myth. Yes. Like, everybody has mm-hmm. read that. But um, I love that book, and that's a book that keeps on my mind quite a bit. Mm-hmm. One of the magazines I read, um, it's a business magazine, um, for sort of artsy, crafty type people, is uh, where women create business. Okay. I love that magazine. I read that success magazine. I read that again. No, those are not books, but um, that's there's a magazine that it's a international magazine that does commerce, marketing, and everything. And I can't remember the name of it. I wanted to tell you about it. Maybe Fast Company, maybe. Not Fast Company, but it's in that line. Well, I'm seeing this book on the table in the in the company of women, yep. which is a a recent, um, a pretty big interview that you did yes. uh, on on your podcast with Grace Bonnie. Yes, tell us a little bit about how that kind of came about. Well, this book um, I should have mentioned, but uh, this book in the company of women um, is by Grace Bonnie, who is the um, founder of Design Sponge, which is an awesome uh, blog. Um, which has about a million hits a day. It's just insane, crazy, whatever, design sponge. But in this book, she interviews about 100 makers, artists, and entrepreneurs, all women, all different types of women, run the gamut, um, talking about their business experience and asking them different questions. Mm -hmm. So she's talking to somebody in Lagos, Nigeria, and then she's talking to somebody in Fresno, and then she's talking all these different women about their business experience. The women who were heavily capitalized and women who were not. Mm-hmm. Women who, you know, uh, you know, made lots of mistakes and maybe others who didn't and so forth. Yeah. So I did the interview with her uh, in February and she is somebody I have been watching and admiring um, because of, uh, you know, we all have platforms and how we choose to use them. And she had this enormous platform 
and she was profiling you know women that all were in quotes looked the same same script mm -hmm. and she was challenged to expand her net to be able to show the platform that she had given to be able to show that platform look there's other type of women out here that we can learn from of course we can learn from them and here they are and here's their story and mm -hmm. here they're like us and not like us and especially for the girl children and for the young boys let them see other people let them see yeah. other possibilities you know um we as an older group i think we're kind of lost the kids that are coming up now their mind is so different um, so anyway, this was a great interview. We got to talk about um, business. We got to talk about the fact that she's been extremely successful and um, doing DIY and design. And now she's like, I don't want to talk about design. I don't mm -hmm. want to talk about colors. I want to talk about life. Yeah. I want to talk about what's going on. I want to talk about how I can be a part of it. And that impressed me completely because that is a background that is important to me. Um, and so I think this book was uh, an effort into that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were to write a book on your journey, think about everything that you've done, what would, <laughs> and I'm not going to hold this to you, right, right, right. but what would the title be? Oh the Hia's Journey? Um, oh. Wait, no, I already have my title. I already have my title, Tony. I had it years ago. Well, and it may have, it may change because what life, it's, it's, it was called, uh, the title I had, The Accidental Shopkeeper. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was an accident. You know, it literally was. And when I started the shop, I was kind of like flip about it. I was like, well, I'm going to start it. And if it fails, I'll just blame the economy, you know, like yeah. whatever. I didn't know what I was getting into. I had no idea um, what I was getting into. Yeah. Out of that. yeah. Awesome. We've got one more question. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. At the end of at the end of your life, and I'm stealing this from Lewis Howes, kind of Lewis, so I'm sorry. Um, I'm gonna change it a little bit. What do you want your legacy to be? It's all said and done. You're at the end of your life. that she loved her family and she did her best I, I, I want to do my best I was one of those kids that uh, caused my parents a lot of grief of course I'd like to show them some of the kids today so they could see what real grief is like you know that, what I mean I wasn't that bad I was not that bad <laughs> I was a good kid <laughs> but you know uh, some of the some of the offshot of that is that you want to make sure that you know you do your family proud. You know, I, mm -hmm. I want to do my family proud. At the end of my life, I want to have loved my family. You know, love my child, my my child, my children, whatever, and uh, done my best. Um, yeah, yeah. That I didn't just live off the like I wasn't just chilling, like mm -hmm. living off the land, like you know, just like oh I got this. No, like I I came and I did something. Mm -hmm. I, I did something, you know. I, I contributed. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, thank you again for having me. Thank you for uh, inviting me into your home. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. This doesn't happen very often, mm -hmm. and so uh, I appreciate it very much. Tony, it has been a pleasure to know you these years. It was very important for me to invite you to my home uh, because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. 
that's what we did. It, it's uh, yeah, that's what we did. Awesome.